DMs, have you ever felt like banishing a player to the Astral Sea for insisting your rule interpretation was bogus? Players, have you ever felt frustrated that a 19 on a perception check only tells you that there may or may not be something there? Furbolgs, tired of always being represented in a voice like this? Then this is the podcast for you where we take a hard look at the rules of the game, the reality of the table, and the role of the dice to solve D&D's most heated arguments. This is Raw and Order. Dun, dun. Welcome, welcome, welcome back, everyone. Yo, yo. Episode 9. How exciting! Yes! We've been doing this for nine weeks now, which is impressive. That's crazy. I don't, I don't think I've ever committed to anything for nine straight weeks. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. You've committed to my campaign for almost a year now. So That's right! Aww! Do we get something special on the one-year anniversary nope. of a campaign? Like, do nope. I get a nice magical item that protects me from all things? You will get this very special magical item soon. Ooh. I'm not going to reveal what it is and <laughs> when you so get excited. it. All I know is, I, guys, listen. If you are a DM that insists on making homebrew magic items, let me just tell you. It's a mistake. Because... <laughs> 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 you end up making these items that are so goddamn powerful. And this is so Matt Mercer had this issue in campaign one of Critical Role. He made these vestiges, which were, I think that's what they called them. They were these uh, like ancient items, and every player got one, and they were like super powerful. And so, and, and they're sort of like the items that you'll be getting, and they like level up with the, uh, the player at certain points or the character at certain points. And, uh, they they became so fucking powerful that he had to make these creatures that like would just one hit a level 18 character because that was the only way to like balance out combat. Even the last battle they had, the very final battle of the campaign against Vecna was oh sorry spoilers was <laughs> was like it wasn't anticlimactic. It just was like yeah, they're going to win. Like <laughs> how do you just, how do you like end a campaign? You murder all your players. I, I feel like not that's the, the characters. Only way to do it. Not the characters. The oh, players. Oh, the players. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Why didn't you have me sign some sort of waiver before I joined your campaign? <laughs> then I suck out your souls and add them to my phylactery. What? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, what do you mean? How, that would be a great discussion topic. Yeah. Hey, it, we'll hey, if you one. all if you all want to hear us discuss how to end a campaign and not kill your players, then write to us. Yeah, write us with your suggestions and how you have ended campaigns. And oh, the answer yeah. should not be, we fizzled. <laughs> we fizzled out. Yeah, so that's most campaigns, though. Because, I, I, yeah, yeah, you kind of have to I all get together. I refuse to fizzle. And, I'm not going to let us fizzle. I, listen, that's great, because I don't want to fizzle. No fizzling here. No fizzling. When Those I go to restaurants, rocks? they're nope. like, do you want... Wait, it's sparkling water, not fizzling water. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it's adorable. If you, if you, if people, if people gave you a look like, what the... Just be like, I'm from Canada. We call it fizzling yeah, water. Yeah, we call it fizzling water up there. There are, there are a few things that Canadians say very weirdly. Like... Yeah, like a and a boot. 
No, not like pronunciation. <laughs> like you guys call it a garbage disposal, but Canadians say garburator. What? Garburator. A garburator? Is a real like carburator, but with gar? With a G. Garburator. That is the cutest thing in the world. I know. We're so adorable. <laughs> a garburator? <laughs> yeah, it's a garbage disposal. Hey, I love it. Why not? Right? Why not? Listen, I just started watching a cartoon called The Great North. Have you heard no. of this? Is it? It's Canadian? like Bob's. It's like. No, but it takes place in Alaska, so sort of. And it's like it's like Bob's Burgers, but in Alaska, and it's great. Have you watched Disenchantment? I've seen a little bit of it. I haven't watched a ton of it, though. You'll enjoy it. It's a really good watch. I should I should get into it. You need to yeah. watch Adventure Time. So I many do. Things. I've heard a lot of people talk about that. I know. I told you about it last time. You have to. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> Anyone who's listening. I don't just take in. a recommendation from one person. One person is not sufficient for me to be convinced. You just said you heard it from a lot of people. Which means I know. That's what I'm saying, which it. means I do have to watch it now. But. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. Um. How you just finished coaching little ones in, I in did. a mock trial uh, or a court. moot court? Sorry, moot, moot court, court is yeah. what, what the adults call it. And they tried their best. <laughs> they, I mean, I they, they tried real to hard. To be fair, to be fair, right? I can't imagine being in law school during this time. I wouldn't get anything done. I would be a terrible student. I hate virtual competitions. Yeah. I'll just say that, okay? That, like, 80% of why I coach is so that I get free trips to places around America. So, <laughs> virtual competition was a real time suck this semester, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, what, to all those competition sites like Shreveport, Louisiana? Uh, okay, last year we got to go to Oklahoma, so... <laughs> Travel that can't Oklahoma, be beat. Oklahoma, <laughs> where the winds come racing down yeah. the plains. And then we went okay. to like the museum and stuff, and it was wow. great. We always travel oh to my cool places. God. It's almost like it's so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, do you want to know what I had the other day and I thought of you? I had a beignet. Oh, and then oh, I that's went to like, that's Nolens. Joe and Anna early, early, early friendship. That and it, we were, we we got close like really fast. I feel like yeah. traveling with somebody, you just like automatically become BFFs. So, so yeah, I had a beignet, and oh. it wasn't as. Where good did you as, Where did you find a beignet? There's a place nearby that Louis Wine Dive. Oh yes, of course. But the beignets weren't that great. Ah, oh, no, I mean, I mean, when you've had when you've had a beignet. When you've had Orleans. Café du Monde exactly. then we have to go back and go on the, the ghost tours. Yes. So uh. stay tuned this summer, live from the Louisiana, <laughs> a graveyard in Louisiana, this podcast where Rod we take order. a tour. <laughs> you may notice that I look a little different today. Yeah, you're put together. I- Oh, well, thanks. I don't I don't know how to take that. But I have a middle part instead of a side part. Okay? And it's because evidently side parts are out and the youth of America is like it's all about the middle part now. I think you can part with the fuck you. I want you to do a front part. What does that even mean? It's it's like a a mullet. Like you you cut the front in half, and the you have like bangs that just drape down, but they're really long. They're like really the, long, like Samara from the Ring. And then you have the rest of, but a clear break, like mm-hmm. a headband made of skin and your scalp, and the rest goes back, oh, and it's just this God. white white band of 
Well, not white for you. That's <laughs> well, actually my scalp probably is like really white, <laughs> like really pale. But that's what my next character will look like. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yeah, that's exactly gotta, how her hair gotta, will be. You got to give her just like a fun, a fun, awkward name. Like y- Yoltis. Yoltis. <laughs> Hi, I'm Yoltis. I have hey. a fun part. Hey, it's me, Yoltis. Look at my really white scalp. That's for the world to say. My name is Yaltus. <laughs> I would pay to play in a game with that character. So oh, that better man. be your we, next character. We should really plan our introductions <laughs> No, I disagree. I think this is perfect. What do you think, audience? Tell us by sending us an email or adding mm-hmm. us on Twitter. We are up to, I think, I believe 154 Twitter followers. Let me see. We are up to oh. 156. Oh! One, oh. five, 156. six. That's Guys, right. Guys, we only need 44 more, and then we're giving away another deck of many things. That so. reminded me of the like do 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 from Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like yeah, right well, before they have to like make their decision and yeah. it goes. Doo-doo-doo-doo. I'm Regis Philbin. Did you, I don't know if you knew. <laughs> Wait, is that who hosted that? Yes, until he got senile and I think died. Is he dead? Who hosts? Who hosted it then? What do you mean? Who hosted it then? Oh, after. I was like, what do you mean you hosted it then? Regis Philbin, I just said. <laughs> who hosted it when Regis Philbin hosted it? Um, who hosted it after? Um, if you know, contact us at rawandorderdnd at gmail.com. <laughs> we are desperate um, for email. <laughs> I'm going to say Barbara Streisand. Oh. <laughs> Why not? Liza Minnelli, Abby. Ha, 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 Liza. <laughs> I'm doing a lot of hand Is work, you guys. Is that your final answer? <laughs> ha, ha, yes, ha, Liza. Ha, come to the cabaret. <laughs> it's a musical episode. Surprise. Woo, we should totally do that. No. Yeah. Yep. Nope. The rest of this is going to be musical. Oh, dear. Our guest is going to kill us. Speaking of which, our <laughs> guest, the lovely Phil, is Phil's joining here. us. Yeah. It will be shortly. Phil is a player in um, my campaign, and then he also is a player in our... Uh, two of our two, Yeah, two of our campaigns with Clint, our Icewind mm-hmm. Dale, and our Yawning Portal. And he wants... He actually has the honor... Well, I'll say this when we introduce him. Okay. So... Um, well, with that, I, I think we should. Let's get him should, here. Let's do it. Let's, let's do teleport it. him in. Whoop. Whoop. <laughs> Is that your final answer? Phil. I think I'm going to go with D, Phil. You're correct. <laughs> oh, yes. I have just won one million dollars. I will exchange that one million dollars for 200 Twitter followers. That's on you guys. All right, let's do it. Hey, everyone. It's Justice Anna here. I am thrilled to tell you about our sponsor for this episode, Game Masters Merchant. DMs, are you feeling strapped for ideas for your campaign? 
Are you looking for something to help bring the excitement of sessions gone by back to your table? If so, then you're really going to want to pick up The Deck of Many Things by Game Master's Merchant. The Deck of Many Things is beautifully crafted and an extraordinarily powerful set of cards set in the D&D universe that is sure to reinvigorate your players and take your campaign to the next level. The deck is printed on sturdy cardstock and features original artwork. The deck is available on Etsy, eBay, and will soon be available on Amazon. But wait, there's more! If you use the code RAW10 on Etsy, you can get 10% off your purchase. Did you hear me just now? 10%! Just use the code RAW10 on Etsy and you get 10% off until March 1st. Get these cards, breathe life into stale campaigns, and enjoy! The Game Master's Merchant, gmmerchant.com. Oye, oye, oye. The Honorable Chief Justices Joe and Anna and Visiting Associate Justice Phil of the Supreme Court of D&D. All persons having business before this court are admonished to draw near, give their attention, and get ready to deposit their $1.9 trillion check, for the court is now sitting. Welcome, Phil! Yay! Welcome, Phil! Thanks for having me. Yes, very welcome. And so I think we briefly mentioned this before you came on, but Phil plays in two games with me? Three games? Yes, two two Two. games with you. uh, Three. (laughs) I think you don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Too many. How many? I don't know. A number of games. I Uh, see you once or twice a week. (laughs) Yeah, three games with Joe, uh, because the other one is his other Ghidra campaign. And you also yeah. DM. Yes, for my brother and two of our friends. Nice. Exciting. Well, Phil, welcome to the show. We're thrilled to have you. Phil, fellow lawyer, of course, mm-hmm. because Anna and I don't have any other friends, nope. apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, a little uh, baby lawyer who actually got started interning for you, Joe. I know! Yeah. <laughs> At the same place that Clint interned for, and then I asked both of you to be in D&D, Just and your, then now we're all playing together, and it's weird, your, but it's your, great. Your D&D farm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well come on down to joe's D farm <laughs> um uh that was something yeah so phil <laughs> why don't you tell us uh how you got into like D and tabletop games yeah so i have always loved fantasy like i started reading books you know lord of the rings type stuff Dragonlance books um forgotten realms books like those you know cheap paperback ones uh, so, you know, I knew kind of of Dungeons & Dragons through that, and I first played back in 3.0, 3.5 with my brother. He ran a couple sessions for me and his friends, um, but then that kind of fell off. So I didn't get to play for years and years. I was in a small town that no one else wanted to play, um, so there's just kind of no opportunity. I played at Adventurers League during college at the tail end of 4E, which I did not like. Yeah, uh, we've talked about that at length. Yeah, yeah, so when I played, like, you know, that you could buy packs of cards that you could then play during the game, which I didn't like. You could had to buy these things. Uh, and two other guys at the table had, like, a synergy in combat where they just keep attacking until anything in their range was dead. Like, they just would not oh. stop attacking because they would proc each other's abilities. Oh, so it wasn't very that's... fun for me to come in and, and play with that. So I only did a couple sessions with that. I then did Adventures League again in law school when it was 5e, when I was kind of coming mm. out. 
And I fell in love with that. Um, so I was able to find tables with you guys here back in Iowa. Um, and I've been playing, you know, since then and jumped into DMing, which is also super fun, I think. Um, what yeah, do you yeah, enjoy I really, more? I really enjoy that part of it. Yeah. Yeah. What do you enjoy more, DMing or playing? I it's hard to it's hard to pick honestly i think i like i like i like i think you have both really i think what i enjoy most is doing both at the same time that that's what that's my answer all right yeah that's a great answer yeah, yeah. and phil you have the honor of dming my highest level character ever which is was, was a yeah level 13 that, pyromancy sorcerer the one shot a, two shot yeah that kind of fell off the face that, of the earth yeah <laughs> <laughs> Which was way too many people. We had seven or eight of us oh players. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, do you it, want to describe uh, the, the concept? Yeah, behind it? the concept was a high level evil campaign or like a one shot. Characters were giants um, assaulting a city or a town. So they, you know, the first two sessions just destroying all kinds of you know peasants <laughs> on this this line that were led by uh, a slightly modified and, and uh, uh, covered Robin Hood band. Most of whom were just were burned to death before they did anything by Joe. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Phil was very kind and let me play the pyromancy sorcerer, which is, uh, I think it's Super like a UA or, or a, I think it was actually, maybe it might've been like a magic the gathering transposition yeah. at some point. Um, and uh, I played this <laughs> sorcerer named Mindfear the incinerator <laughs> and he talked like this and i just had all fire spells and killed a bunch of puckin' people and it was great so, yeah it was so, super uh, fun my head cannon was that it looked like jafar when he like turns red the red genie yeah. that's what i was picturing the entire time it was wonderful it was, it was great um awesome and phil uh just uh briefly what what kind of law do you do yeah so I don't think I practice law, but the Office of Professional Regulation says I do. <laughs> so I, I work for a state agency that does oversight, uh, handles complaints by the public about government agencies, government employees. So to the extent I do use my law degree and practice law, um, it's, it's administrative law. Um, and sometimes yeah. Yeah. constitutional, if the question arises about if someone says an agency deprived me of my right, you know, whether that be law enforcement or whatever other context, but that's more rare. Sure. Awesome. Well, Phil, uh, we won't have any of those constitutional <laughs> issues here. Oh, yes, we get, That you know of. <laughs> that you know of. Because we're going to get down and into the D&D. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Well, the court will hear two cases today, and the first of which is Players versus True Polymorph. When a creature permanently transformed by true polymorph falls to zero hit points, does it revert to its original form? And if so, how many hit points does it have? So this was a question from Phil, and I'll let you take it away and kind of give us uh, just like an explanation um, of true polymorph, and then we can talk about it. Yeah, so true polymorph has two different versions, right? It was written originally, and then it was amended, I guess, at some point. Um, so they are different, I think, in, with respect to this question. Uh, version A, the original one, um, it actually refers to the transformation becoming permanent if it uh, is maintained for the hour of the duration of the spell. Mm -hmm. It also says uh, you target a creature with at least one, zero, one, one hit point. The new version, version B, 
uh, changes that, changes both of those parts, it now lasts until dispelled if you concentrate for a full hour. And it says it has no effect on a shape changer or a creature with zero hit points. Um, so kind of what drove me to this question was in 2018, um, Jeremy Crawford uh, uh, released a tweet, you know, about a question from a sage advice they had, they had given where he says, uh, quote, the text of the spell says it has no effect on a creature with zero hit points. That statement is made after the bit about lasting until dispelled. At zero hit points, the transformation ends. So Crawford says this spell has no effect on a creature with zero hit points. So if you drop it, you know, it ends and you revert to your original form. I disagree with the way that it's written, at least. I think the zero hit points, it not affecting creature at zero hit points, refers to the targeting limitation. I think it's pretty obvious, or at least clear to me, that was amended or changed from the at least one hit point to tidy up these two limitations on who can be targeted by the spell. Right? You can't target a dead body or a, a downed creature, and you can't target um, a shape changer. It makes sense to me you would tidy that up by putting them in the same line. I don't think it was meant to change how reversion works once a spell is permanent or lasts until dispelled. So, so wait, what do you think happens? So, so yeah, my interpretation is if the spell becomes permanent or lasts until dispelled, it goes through zero hit points, death, whatever. It simply lasts until dispelled. So the creature gets zero hit points. They do not revert, I, I think. So well, like, but, oh, sorry, Anna. I, I was just going to say, so your, your interpretation of this spell is after an hour, if you've concentrated that whole time, now you are just this creature. That's right. It. It's no longer like a secondary form. I, I think. I think it is now your your true form. Hmm. Right. Unless unless someone casts a spell Dispel. magic, correct? Either at ninth level or rolls rolls a a, a nineteen or higher, right? Uh, on their check when casting at a third level, right? Which is the only condition specified in that last sentence of the first paragraph. You know, until dispelled. So hmm. yeah, I, I think that. That part of it, you know, that becomes permanent, which is changed into until dispelled. I think that is the one condition that applies after it becomes, after that hour. I think the other conditions no longer apply, and the does not affect creature with zero hit points is a targeting limitation, not a, an overall limitation. Hmm. Because I also would wonder, if I was a human turned into an elf, and I then got bit by a true lycanthrope, by, you know, a werewolf, and I became a werewolf, would the would I turn back into a human also? Because I'm now a shape changer. I mean, you know, I'm not sure. That's Ooh. another question to, to uh, you know, a different uh, episode. That is fun. But yeah. I, I think the same kind of logic applies. I don't think it makes sense to think of those as ongoing, you know, ways to end the spell. I think they're simply target limitations. Hmm. Joe? So, yeah, I, what's interesting, I wasn't aware of that tweet by Jeremy Crawford. So um, that's interesting. It, it sort of puts a new spin on it. But it, what's funny is that if you think about it, the creature. So the way polymorph works is that when so the fourth level polymorph is that when the new form reverts to his zero hit points, you then revert back to your old form at the hit points you were at previously. Um, so that's how polymorph general polymorph works i would assume it would be the same thing which would mean that when you revert 
you are not at zero hit points. So even if Jeremy Crawford was correct that, you you know, per the language of the spell, it can't target something with zero hit points, um, then you don't have zero hit points. You actually are still this creature that is polymorphed. Right. Although I guess not because the, the theory is that you actually change um right the spell but, ended maybe I, I think you're right you bring up like well but then you're a creature with more than one hit point and it shouldn't be affecting right you. right and it wasn't dispelled it just simply couldn't target you but now it can target yeah so oh, and doesn't it say until if the it doesn't say anything about death so that is one of the ways um, it can end during the hour. If you die, during the transformation hour. ends. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yes, yeah, so that's not uh, a condition specified later on. So it also says, I think that's simply because, again, to my point, I think that has no effect on a creature with zero hit points. Language is a targeting limitation because that means you can't target a, a dead creature. right? Because any so, dead creature, no matter how long they've been dead, has zero hit points. Well, but so... Okay, but we've covered this on a previous episode. Technically, a corpse is an object in 5e, and you can target objects. So could you not polymorph a corpse as an object into another So into I a think creature. Thing? then you could, because you can turn objects into creatures, but it would then revert, if it reverted, back to the object. Back to a corpse. The corpse. And I then question, <laughs> yeah, does the corpse maintain the person's personality? If I was a dead human that became an elf, would I... Would it be me again? Is this a way to bring back someone? I think it's no, not intended because... to ever be. I mean, you have to treat it like it was an object, right? So... Right. Right. Like what What so would happen if you I would be poly- a, a living elf laying there as if it was a dead body, right? Yeah. Right. But what, yeah, what happened if you, well, I mean, it would be the same as any object. If I, po- if I true polymorphed a spoon, how would the spoon act? What do 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 spoon? <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah. So it be would have guest, maybe. Be our guest. That's what I imagine it would be. That's what what it should be, yes. See, and that's why we need to keep playing and and always reach max level, because I want to get to the level where someone is casting a spell like that so that I can create those kind of creatures. Um, I I think I agree with Phil that it's uh, a targeting note for the zero hit points in Shape Changer. I don't know if I agree that once once it's past the hour and you hit zero hit points, you don't go back to your original form i don't know if that doesn't carry over because if the way that it is written now is until dispelled that implies to me that you're like under a magic spell right so if the magic is only protecting you for as long as that creature that you have transformed into is alive and then it drops zero hit points then the magic dissipates and you drop back to your original form but it doesn't say that Right, it doesn't say it only. Well, so it does you say. Until... Um, so this, or sorry, let me pull up the actual language of that part of it. Uh, if it reverts as a result of dropping to zero hit points, a excess damage carries over to its normal form as long as it doesn't reduce to zero hit points. It's not right. unconscious. So it does contemplate. You know, it, it has the same as as regular polymorph or uh, wild shape. You know, things carry over, but you're not automatically dead if you died during the, the transformation. I guess my contention would be. If uh, you drop to zero hit points, you don't revert, so st- this doesn't apply. If it's if it's become permanent, 
Right, because why Why would, if you look at the first paragraph, it says the last two sentences, the transformation lasts for the duration or until the target drops to zero hit points or dies. If you concentrate, so it adds a new condition, right. then it limits it. So if it were true that the transformation ended when you dropped to zero hit points, why would it not say the transformation lasts for, like, like why would it just qualify the ending saying if the concentr- if you concentrate for the full duration, the transformation lasts until dispelled and not include the previous conditions. Right. I think it's it's stretching the language too far as Crawford did to say this no effect on zero hit points is actually limiting or changing that part of the spell. Mm-hmm. I think that only makes sense in my mind, at least as a targeting limitation. Yeah, because I think – no, I, I I agree with you, Phil, because I think it's assumed uh, that – I mean, you could always dispel a spell, right? You could always right. dis- try, attempt, at least, to dispel a magical effect. So you wouldn't have to put in the previous sentence, the transformation lasts for the duration or until the target drops to zero hit points or dies. You wouldn't have to put or until dispelled because it's assumed that you can always attempt to dispel it, Right. What makes the 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 following sentence so interesting is that it doesn't include um, anything about dropping to zero hit points. It just says until right. dispel. I got just you. The so, one so if it had applied to the second part, it would have said after the duration, it's permanent until dispelled or until they drop to zero hit points and I, then you revert back. Yeah, to me that makes more sense yeah. as far as what Crawford is you know saying the spell means. Sense. Yeah. In which and, case you wouldn't need that sentence though, right? Because that is always it's always true that it lasts until dispelled. Until because dispelled. any spell right. lasts until right. it's dispelled or 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 concentration is broken or yada yada yada. Um so yeah, that's fascinating. I I agree with you, Phil. I, I think that that it, it isn't the best interpretation um by Jeremy. I, yeah, I will say uh, to Anna's point, I think if you know, you're going against against my my interpretation, and you do say, no, I think Crawford's correct that when your zero hit points no longer affects you, I think it would put you back up to whatever health you had when you started. Mm-hmm. Now, the other question this brings up that Wild Shape doesn't and Fourth Level Polymorph doesn't is what happens if you had a long rest? Because this, this could last for years, right? Ooh. But you go back to the health you had when you were transformed, but like if you were injured. Why would you be injured again if it's been years since that time? Is your body does the magic like save? Like, does the magic like put Just you in stasis? Like right. <laughs> so and, and do you and do you revert? Like, are you the same age as you were? Exactly. Are you the Ooh. same age you were? As does your equipment has it been rusted? I mean, I mean, obviously not rusted, but I like, mean, but the those questions apply even if it's dispelled, right? Like, what is right. what happens? <laughs> yeah, same. same if you, you know, dispel thing. the yeah. spell. Then years later you, is it yeah. does it give you a second life can you live a full life as a polymorph oh, human even so in wait, your own skin and then it come back to where it, it can't because right? that means a wizard could just perpetually cast true polymorph <laughs> and literally polymorph themselves into an exact copy of themselves right and when they're about to die just dispel Genius. it which means no more liches and that you know <laughs> Oh my god! That's I so love smart. this. Then again, to be fair, hey, ninth level spells are fucked up, man. Right? It's true. Yeah, there's I a mean, reason it's a ninth level spell. You, that's why although, I try to use it at like third level. I will say, <laughs> as opposed to wish, this has no cost um, to the components. Yeah, mm. I it's, I don't you know, think I would. I think I would say you age. 
you age I as you would. Now, yeah. here's a question. What if you're polymorphed into a creature that has a much longer lifespan? Than right, you? like you're a human, human into an elf and suddenly yeah. you're like 300 years old. and Maybe it's like it's like proportional. Like if you aged 200 years as an elf, you only aged like 45 years as a human. <laughs> <laughs> All interesting questions that yeah. have not been explained in the language of the spell, despite this. it being a really long spell. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's think, interesting. Yeah, polymorph and the fourth level version. Um, it's it's a lot to try to put into a spell. I, I don't fault them yeah. for making it ambiguous because it's just too hard. I think to make everything super clear. Well, I mean, the fourth level polymorph has so many limitations. Like it, yeah, it has. It can only be a beast. It you know it only lasts for the hour or until concentration is broken. Um, so. <sighs> Yeah, I, I just think that this is a fascinating concept. It's interesting because characters in, uh, like, for example, spoilers for Campaign 2 of Critical Role, I won't say names, but certain characters have talked about, could you use True Polymorph to transform, you know, creatures into different creatures for reasons? Um, and you can, but yeah, what happens in all these circumstances? Do you just revert back? Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. So... So, Phil, as our visiting Associate Justice, what is your, your official ruling on this question? So, my ruling is that creature does not revert. The spell has um, lasted the full duration, is now permanent, or lasts until dispelled. Um, although, if they did revert, they would get their hit points. Hit points that they had when they were transformed. Right. I concur. I, I join you in that ruling. You've convinced me. Unanimous bench. Excellent. <laughs> Although, now here's a twist. What if, so you die at when you're polymorphed and then someone casts a spell on the corpse? Yeah. I mean, I think that actually would revert you then. Because there, I, I think. I'd, I'd I, think, mean, I, I think. think I think oh. I would rule as a DM, like, because you literally permanently take the, this new form, you become this new creature. And you I think dead. that you just die. Yeah, you're I think you dead. just die. Um, oh, sorry. You, you, yeah, you wouldn't go back to your. You wouldn't have hit points. I think in that case, yes. I think the corpse would shift to its old form, but it'd still be a corpse. I think. Wait, you think that it would shift to its old form? Really? Yeah. So I think if if I was polymorphed, you know, human into an elf, and I was I died as the elf, and you know I was just a dead body then, and someone casts dispel magic on my body. Oh, I think if they would, cast dispel magic, yes, it would then turn it. into a human body. Yes. Yeah. I, Sorry. I, I thought you. Yes. Oh, no, yeah. I agree. If yeah. it was dispelled. Yeah. If it was dispelled. Got mm. it. Yeah. I concur. Excellent. Love it. All right. All right. Case is post submitted. We decided. Cool. Decision. <laughs> All right. I'm glad Decis I'm not the one. Decision rendered. Gavel sound. D there you go. Gav Decision yeah, rendered. Have, All right. I'm going to use it. I have it. The gavel. Ready? Gavel, gavel. Just case Excellent. closed. Case closed. There you go, Anna. There okay. it is. Okay. okay. Anyway, the second case we're going to hear today is Goodberry versus Unicorn Totem. Does the Goodberry spell gain the benefit of a Shepherd Druid's Unicorn Totem healing boost, either when cast and or consumed in its active area of effect? Mm. So this question was submitted. It actually wasn't submitted. I stole it. Um <laughs> 
Ty- <laughs> friends Tyler, uh, who we played D&D with, and mm-hmm. uh, another friend Shad, both had this question. They both texted. They were there in a campaign together or were talking about this question. They both texted me independently to ask my interpretation. Um, um, so they were wondering, yeah, what happens if you cast Goodberry? Um, I I have thoughts on on the result of this. So maybe we should talk about what the Unicorn Totem does. I mean, the the important part of it is if you cast a spell using a spell slot that restores hit points to any creature inside or outside the aura that you create with the Unicorn Totem, each creature of your choice in the aura also regains hit points equal to your druid level. Yeah, so... So that is the shepherd druid's ability um, and can can cast that totem. So the question becomes, if you were to ca- either cast Goodberry cons- or consume Goodberry, do, do you still gain that benefit on either of those or do you not gain it at all in that circumstance? Right. I, I don't it- know that there's much argument to be had about casting Goodberry. I feel like if you cast Goodberry, oh... Let's see what you're yes, you going to say. I, I'm saying that if like in battle, use an action to cast Goodberry, then yes, you gain the benefit of the unicorn mm. totem. But the eating of the Goodberry is a different question that I will reserve my opinion on <laughs> until the rest of you have spoken. <laughs> All right, Bill. So I uh, do not concur with Justice Anna. <gasps> Um, I, I think Goodberry... Well, that's too bad, because it's my podcast. So. Well, that's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so I think, you know, the language is, if you cast a spell that restores hit points to any creature, and I guess I interpret it as Goodberry doesn't restore hit points, it creates Goodberries. And I was thinking about this, and the way I kind of uh, made an analogy in my mind is, if I'm a clear, uh, caster who can, who can cast Simulacrum, and also has a healing spell, like I'm a cleric one, cleric one also. If I cast Simulacrum, and that Simulacrum heals somebody, does would Simulacrum proc this, trigger this this uh, effect? Because the spell I cast leads to somebody getting healed, you know, by the object or creature I created with mm-hmm. my spell. Right. I think there it 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 is too far removed. There's no way you would say Simulacrum, you know triggers anything effect. right anything the simulacrum does therefore counts as you doing it right or, so i i mean I, I guess i wouldn't say casting simulacrum triggers this even though it can heal somebody in the same way casting goodberry wouldn't trigger this even though the goodberries can heal somebody when they're consumed i concur Joe. phil that's that's actually my interpretation too <laughs> <laughs> sorry Anna. Oh. so yeah I, I agree i think the spell goodberry this casting the spell itself does not actually I- increase anyone or or heal hit points. It's the action of consuming the good berry that does, in which case you're no longer casting a spell. The spell has already been cast. So I think this is contrary to what I told my friends, but um, I would hold that uh, it has no effect if you cast Goodberry inside a unicorn totem. You have to cast a spell that who's where the casting of the spell itself heals hit points, whether it's cure wounds, healing word, um, or potentially something like vampiric touch or something like that. Yeah. I actually, sorry to like add more questions to your No, podcast, please do it. But I also wondering about Shambling Mound, which regains health when uh, damaged by lightning attacks or lightning damage. So if I shocking grasped a shambling mound while in this aura and 
it regained hit points, would that trigger this effect? Ooh. Wow. Because it, it doesn't say healing spell. It says restores hit points. To any creature. Right. Oh, that's a really shysty interpretation of But that. also, like, why would I ever lightning damage but, a shambling mouth? But mount? we know that that shocking grasp wouldn't do anything because it's a cantrip, right? And you need to use a spell. Oh, spell. okay. Well, I mean, if I well, suck lightning it. bolt. <laughs> right. Yeah. Good you point. blow that third or fourth level spell to, to yeah, heal your enemy. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, or, but okay. Let's say um, you cast. Um, dominate beast or dominate whatever dominate creature uh, or monster, whatever a shambling mound it qualifies as. I think it's a, cre- a monster. Um, yeah. uh, does that mean, and, and you gain a friend who's a shambling mound or for whatever reason, one of your players is playing as a shambling mound. Um, does that? Yeah. So, and like, Oh, that is fascinating. Well, I mean, and there are other ways in the game, you know, with homebrew or whatever, you can have damage regain hit points. Right? Yes, absolutely. So that may um, be a, more of a, more of a common situation than a shambling mound specifically. Well, right. So thinking back to our Icewind Dale campaign, there was um, I my character used an, uh, a necromancy spell on a character that actually healed it. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, un- unknowingly. Right. Um, so in, in that circumstance, so you would claim. that apply? Yeah. Could I then? Could I? Could I then say, oh, I didn't know that. Therefore, everyone gains, you know, four hit points. Yeah. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to say no, because I think that that goes beyond that. That goes a little bit outside the four corners, if you will. That's sort of like. Oh, are you an originalist? hmm. Yeah, 100%. Mm. Call me Antonin. Um, uh, Or Amy Call me Butthead, whatever her name is. So uh, <laughs> it's canon. It's canon now. She doesn't deserve respect. Um, uh, I think it's 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 clearly saying that the spell itself, the effect of the spell, is to restore hit points. Not that that. Uh, Oh, sorry, not the effect of that, that. That the spell itself, by its language, restores hit points. Not that the effect is that it restores hit points. And I know, is that technically like letter of the law? No, but I think that that's an overreach. I, I don't think I would allow that as a DM. Yeah, I think yeah, that I, makes I'm gonna sense. I'm going to stick with my position though that yeah. if you cast good berry, it, it counts. Mm-hmm. But if you just eat it, if you have it in your pocket and you were saving it for later, and you eat it in the aura, then you don't get. The benefit. Yeah, I think yeah, you, I think we can all agree on that, I think. Can you double up on like healing auras and then would it apply? So like if you if you did like a healing spirit inside of the unicorn totem aura, could you create like double auras <laughs> and that gives you all the healing? Well, that again, and that's an interesting question. So healing spirit. Um you casting well because that whole intent of healing mm. spirit is to give you back hit points. Right, that was my but other But you have to like walk question. through the thing, right. so it's and not immediate. <laughs> I don't know enough about Healing Spirit because I've never seen it in a game before. I, you know, I don't actually know. But I, I think I would rule the other way, the same way as I did before. If the spell creates the effect that then heals right. somebody later, I think it's not, it wouldn't trigger this effect. You'd have to, you'd what have if to. if there was somebody already standing in there and well, it immediately right. gave Ooh, them. Well. I mean, I guess yeah. then it's like, well, I cast Goodberry and I'm holding my palm in this person's mouth, you know? Right. 
Well, no. I don't know how you cast good berry, but that's exactly how I cast good berry. Oh, honey, my hands are always in their mouth. But Um, I will say, I I also, Joe, I I disagree with you. And, like, you know, in your campaign, you can run it, obviously, however you want to. Yeah, I would say, even (laughs) I would say damaging spells would trigger this if they heal the target through some other effect or or ability. Hmm. I think, yeah, the DM in me doesn't like it. The lawyer in me agrees with your interpretation. Yeah, that's definitely more of a razor than, you know, question or Yeah, I think that's that's a poor that's a legislative drafting issue. Um they really should have been more careful about that. But that's that's great. You know what? I'll go ahead and I'll say on the ancillary question of does damage that that uh restores sort of unwittingly restores hit points. I'll say sure, yeah, go ahead. But I think you would have to know that it restored hit points, right? right. Because it also, if I, as a DM, didn't intent. tell you, if I just said, okay, you didn't have the effect you thought it did, you wouldn't know. So there's an easy way around that. Right, because it does say creature of your choice. So if you didn't know you were healing it, you wouldn't know to pick the creatures you want to heal. But you're choosing to cast a spell on it. Yeah, I, I, what I mean is you wouldn't know to think oh, of the right. creatures that you're going to yeah, target with yeah, the yeah. heal. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that healing spirit question now kind of throws a wrench in, yeah. in things. Mm-hmm. I I think, but the difference being that Goodberry is something that literally you could take with you and carry around and la- it lasts for 24 hours and it creates a physical thing. Whereas healing spirit, it's more like an aura but, or... But the way that the totem thing is written it doesn't say that it immediately restores hit points it just says yeah. that restores hit points well but then it comes to right my point about simulacrum if i cast right. simulacrum and that has a cure wounds on it does simulacrum trigger this this effect if the you know because obviously it happened at the time so we couldn't ever see in, in the future or if i cast haste on a cleric and they use their second action to cast cure wounds on somebody well, but should it has to be. Should, yeah, why not? Should haste trigger? Oh, because they have to use. Do they use or, a spell slot to do? No, that? no. Well, my question is: Would haste trigger this effect? If I haste the cleric and the cleric then heals somebody, right, well, the no, effect it has of to my be, spell is. It, so the spell says, or unicorn totem specifies, it has to be you casting the healing spell. That's true. So I, I think it, okay. that would haste on myself and then second, well, or someone casts haste on you. Yeah, I mean, no, that would actually absolutely yeah. work. You can oh, cast two spells when you're I'm hasted. referring to the when I cast haste, would that trigger the effect? I think it wouldn't. Oh, no, well, I, I see what you're saying. I, yeah, I don't I don't know if I'm if I'm following. So what I, does haste do? Well, it, it gives you another action which can then be used to heal somebody in the same way a good berry can be used to heal somebody or a healing spirit zone can be used to heal somebody. This I guess, is I, I'm putting it analogous the haste to me is the same as casting healing spirit. It creates the condition where someone can be healed later. Except for the, for in haste, somebody else has to like cast the spell. Right. It requires. And so that action could trigger the totem. But it, and it wouldn't be you casting it. That's the issue. Well, you could have haste on yourself if you're a cleric. Sure. But then if you use the second action that you've hasted yourself to, to cast cure wounds. That one certainly triggers it. Absolutely. Yeah. But you have to be a druid, right? That's the whole thing. You have to... Right. Oh, right. So you, Sorry, someone would have had to haste you. And it, your druids don't have haste. So if you were multi-class, I don't fucking know. Maybe. If you were to yeah, one I level, mean, two levels of shepherd druid... I and, mean, I think uh, it clearly... Like, that's... 
it's not it's beyond this, what the spell is intending to do, right? Right. These other kinds right. of spells that allow you to heal shouldn't be considered in this. I guess yeah, that's, we all that's know, what I. Mm-hmm. We all know lawyers never use <laughs> the law to do things they weren't in, weren't intended to do. <laughs> right. Um, you know, like corporate personhood coming from the uh, the post Civil War amendments. <laughs> <laughs> Um, wow, that is fascinating. I think the audience is getting. I apologize for those. I don't apologize. If for those of you who are non lawyers, you're getting a look at the kind of ridiculous arguments that lawyers get into over like real things. <laughs> this is what so law school you, so is like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're welcome. Also, don't go. We've said that multiple times. Yep. Don't yep. go to law school. Um, that was a okay. fascinating discussion, and I don't even think that we actually like reached. Okay, uh, let's let's bring it back we, down to the the, to the, yeah, good question. the the good berry question. So I'll so, file my dissent, but yeah. <laughs> so all right, so Justice Phil on the question of casting Goodberry in a unicorn totem aura, what do you where do you fall? I think you do not gain the benefit when casting Goodberry. I agree. And I dissent and say I partially dissent, partially concur. I I dissent on the casting Goodberry. I concur with the majority on the consuming Goodberry. If you were just carrying it around and then ate it in the aura, you don't. Is this our is this our first concurrence in part and dissent in part? It's yeah, I think it's our first. (gasps) Okay, wait. So you're concurring to part two B and for it. (laughs) Yeah. Oh no! Wait, now I want to dissent. Then let's have a plurality. Concurring with the reasoning no to me. <laughs> um, with respect to all the other questions, hey, if you want to, if you want answers to those, you gotta write into us and ask about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so awesome! Well, great job. That was awesome. awesome. Um, all right, cases are closed, and uh, we can now move on to to chill to the oh, chit chat. Get get this robe off. Uh, <laughs> Phil, Jesus, <laughs> keep your clothes on. I'm you can take, still you can wearing it. It's okay. <laughs> um, so we will discuss one discussion topic today, the pros and cons to adding critical miss or critical failure consequences to nat ones on ability checks and attack rolls. Mm. And I think this question came to us from Phil. Yeah. Yeah. So take us away. So I very strongly do not like um, extra uh, consequences for critical critical misses on attacks or like outlandish, crazy, kooky things that happen on rolling one for a stealth check or athletics check. I, I think for That's me... That's where the comedy it, is, though. I, I get that. I think for me, it breaks the immersion of the game and like it doesn't seem re- reasonable to have that kind of effect on a 5% chance. Wait, do you, hold on, do you, when you say like kooky, you don't mean like what Anna's saying, the com- you mean like there's some like a- like additional effect like beyond just effect, failing the yeah. check. Yeah, or even like failing the check in a way that is, uh, you know, insanely unlikely, right? Okay. So if I'm trying to stealth as a fighter in heavy armor, right, and I roll a one, I, I think it makes sense to say, okay, well, you try to back up against a, a uh, uh, wall, your mm-hmm. armor hits it and clanks pretty loudly. Clank, 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 yeah. Any creature nearby is going to hear that and probably investigate. I think it doesn't make sense to say you trip over a rock, fall on your face, and you know, and go tumbling, your gear goes uh, spilling out. Because that, that, that doesn't happen 5% <laughs> of the time. <laughs> Wait, so- sure. Uh, it happens like 30% <laughs> of the time in my life. Well, so. I guess. <laughs> Yeah, Phil's just I managed to slip on ice in 50 degree weather, guys. So today, <laughs> yeah, 
Oh, no, like, a couple of days ago when it was melting, and I <laughs> somehow managed to find like the one leftover patch of ice, and I just face planted. So yeah, that's my life is a natural one. Anyway. <laughs> that oh. name of your autobiography, my life, <laughs> the Anna Dixon story, my life is a natural one. That's hilarious. Um, wait, hold on. So to clarify. You, you sort of have an issue both with, like, additional effects happening yes. and with, like, DMs who sort of break immersion with their narrative. I think, so. yeah, so about the additional effects part. So I played in the campaign with my brother where if you rolled a one on an attack, you automatically hit an ally if they were in range of your attack. Oh, if there was yeah. no ally in range, you hit yourself <laughs> for, you know, full damage. So that, to me, you know, if I'm a... For the full cre- damage? If I'm a creature, well, it, just like an attack, not 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 max damage, oh. just re- regular damage. Okay, right. So if I'm like swinging a warhammer or a maul or a sword, and I hit myself or my friend five percent of the time, I'm not proficient with that weapon. Right, right. right. Like like that's not <laughs> proficient, let alone uh, uh, you know a, a leveled character in D and think it makes zero sense to say five percent of the time you hit your ally or yourself. Especially uh, fighters at higher levels get many more attacks, are going to be hitting themselves almost every combat. <laughs> which I makes mean, less sense is, for a skilled fighter. This is Phil venting about his brother. We, we Absolutely. Seriously. Just, just <laughs> Brendan, let it out. It's about you. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, I've, I've seen, you know, critical miss, you know, tables, that kind of thing in mm. all forms. And I, I just like all of it, I guess. I think players should have the benefit of, of critical hits. I think it's it's great to add that to the game. I don't think it requires or even it's it's good to have that converse side of a critical failure that's worse than just automatically missing. Hmm. Lisa, we've touched upon a similar topic. Anna, I'm curious what your thoughts are. What what do you mean by a similar topic? Well, we, we so we've upon? yeah, in, in one Remember. of our episodes, we we talked about um uh natural 20s on ability checks. Oh yeah. Um and whether whether you can actually crit on an ability check and that led into a discussion um, uh, it was either that episode or another one where I talked about, you know, my the camp Mad Mage campaign I was in where um, we had roll tables. If you rolled yeah. a natural 20 or a natural one and something would happen. Um, so I very much agree with you, Phil. I think that the rules, the game is hard enough and, and punishing enough yeah. for players. Mm-hmm. You, you, we don't need additional things to make it even more difficult for players especially when as a dm you're oftentimes rolling so much more frequently than the players so the probability of getting nat ones and nat 20s increases now now you could say well then it balances out right but sometimes like in that case where i was playing a game where the dm rolled three nat 20s in a row and and literally insta killed our our barbarian Barbarian. we were fucked yeah we were fucking fucked um i i just think it's it's too drastic either way it's too drastic of a consequence um in 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 D. i i agree with you on the nat ones on attack rolls i think it's just too cruel to say you hit an ally or you hit yourself that's just that's new levels of mean in D &D that i don't need (laughs) Yeah. Um, but on the ability checks, I think it's hilarious when you're trying to stealth <laughs> and then you trip on a rock and you roll down a hill because you rolled a natural one. I mean, that's just funny stuff. So now that I, I'm, I I'm am, all about adding comedy. <laughs> I am more amenable to that part of it. I think yeah. that that uh, irks me far less. <laughs> 
Yeah, I well, and you know from playing in my games, like I I will I I will narrate that stuff for people who get yeah. that ones on checks all yeah. the time. Um, I love that. <laughs> yeah, I, I do too. But I, I totally yeah, flavors I, it. I always know? keep right, but that's there. It is. That's the point. I ain't right? proficient in walking. <laughs> <laughs> I always try and do it in a way that you are. Uh, that, We're that all keeps still enjoying it, ourselves. Yeah, yeah that like, doesn't break the immersion. I don't. Yeah. I certainly don't want to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm envisioning you know the kind of thing that is far, far, far more unrealistic, mm-hmm. you know, than you would typically see uh, these kind of trained people do. Sure. Especially when they're proficient with it, you know, like if it's their expertise, even. Mm-hmm. Like you know, a rogue rolling a natural one on to pick a lock, well, they don't jam their face into the lock. <laughs> like you know, they may Again, break the lock pick. I, that, that that makes sounds sense. Funny. Sure. <laughs> but, I'm but, imagining this like like a a rogue does is trying to like tight tight walk up, uh, along the side of like a cliff or something, and they do a dexterity dexterity check, which they're really good at usually, and they roll mm-hmm. a natural one, and then they fall off the cliff and die. That like, that would sure. be outrageous, you know. And sure, I don't I don't follow that for nat ones, but what? Well, okay. Uh, counterpoint: if you if you as a party decide to c- cross a very dangerous thing that you easily could have avoided and one and your character rolls a nat one on the only check to get across it's very possible they could fall and die i mean yeah. joe's like I mean, damn it that's what i was planning for the next <laughs> session yeah how am i supposed to kill you all now wait a minute what hold on god damn it <laughs> now wait no i want to go back to something phil so you said that on a nat one a rogue's lock pick might break now that's a consequence sure. that's mm. that's and i that's think not that... just narrative that could have potential you know yeah, actual in-game but issues. That seems more I'd realistic jam to my me. Thumb. Yeah, seems more realistic to me than you know uh, something far less or even like less sane for the rogue to do, right? Like they didn't jam their pick mm-hmm. in and then snap it off. That doesn't make any sense. If it if it breaks, you know that makes sense because that, that can happen. Even lockpicking as an experienced lockpick, right? Okay, and that that could also represent you know. As I, I'm a big believer that the dice roll doesn't only represent your actions. It represents the nature of what you're trying to do as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So maybe, maybe it means that lock is bent at a weird angle or it has mm-hmm. a device in it, you know, that didn't exist until this roll happened that breaks lock picks. So, so would you, do you think it's fair then if the DM said, okay, you rolled a nat one, your lock pick breaks and gets lodged in and this door can no longer be opened? Uh, it would depend on the the context of of what they're doing. Like if it's you know if this is at the end of a end of a dungeon, no, don't don't hide the treasure room. Don't, Come on. But if if they're the breaking hole. into like a store to access the roof to watch some like meeting between two NPCs, yeah, sure. Like don't let them into that building. Yeah, got to find a different way. Oh. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, fair enough. Yeah, my my goal as a DM and, you know, Phil, you, you're a DM. You can comment on this, too. And, you know, Anna, from a player perspective, you know, and soon to be DM, she's going to be DMing her first game. I know. Congrats. Um, Very exciting. Uh, I, I always just try and keep it fair. And I, I'm known to, like, revise my own rulings at the table and say, actually, you know what? That's not right. I'm, something else happens. Because at the end of the day, I just I, I want everyone to have fun. And... Yeah, I definitely agree. When it comes to net net ones on attack rolls, that sucks enough. You don't have to yeah. kick a what's the phrase? Kick a draft horse when it's down? Beat no? a dead horse. Beat it. 
Kick, no, there's another phrase. No, kick there's a, kick a dog when it's down or kick a. I don't don't kick anyone when they're down. That's dangerous. Don't kick any dogs, folks. (laughs) (laughs) Don't launch a puppy over a cliff when it's down. Um, It's all horseshoes and hand grenades. That's another thing. That's the one. Tagline. Horseshoes and hand grenades. Love it. Um, Thank you, Chris Pratt. Um, So uh, I think... Yeah, but I, I always try to keep it fair and I always try and keep it, you know, flowing with the narrative. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I think playing with you as, you know, a player in your campaign, I think you do that well. Well, thank you. Aww. <laughs> in our Adams. Icewind Dale campaign, my character has severely injured his hand. Yeah, we'll see. And there's there's some stuff that's going to happen. Well, and uh... some real bad stuff that'll happen if I roll a natural one. <laughs> So, fingers crossed that I well, keep that hand. Some of them. <laughs> if, right, finger. Some fingers. Uh, yeah. Right, fingers crossed on the other hand. Absolutely. Especially because I'm a rogue and I love my bow. Yeah. So. I mean, we do have that crossbow, so maybe you can <laughs> get that working. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> okay. Well. Roll a new character. Whatever. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, Phil, um, I think that's all the time we have. This has been lovely. Thank, Thank you yeah. for joining so us. I'm so happy to be on. It was a wonderful time. If that Aww. doesn't sell Aww. the podcast for you folks. No one says that. Thank you. Wait, really? <laughs> I'm sure they do. Whatever. It was super fun. And everyone should listen. Everyone should follow and download Aww. and ask questions. <gasps> Yes. Submit Phil, your share, questions. Make sure you share far and wide. Share with everyone you know. I with, will. No one I know plays D&D, but they're all going to listen to this. Anyway. Your brother. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, well, Phil's yeah, famous. But... He's on a podcast. Yeah, there you go. That's, That's what he's famous do, for. So. I can call <laughs> him out. Yeah, right. Exactly. You called him out in this and now. Now you're going to fucking listen to it. <laughs> um, well, everyone, you know where to catch us. Ron, at Ron Otter D&D on all of our things including email at gmail.com so uh with that court is adjourned Yay. Okay, what are we going to talk about? Um, and for the intro? Yeah. Search me. That's a that's a phrase. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Okay. Google it. I would never say it because that's you consenting to a Fourth Amendment search, which should never happen. <laughs> <laughs>